Honestly, I'm in shock tonight. Um, this week has been so full of ups and downs. I don't even really know where to begin. Um, I'm not sure what I think or even believe. We were close friends of Jesus, just outside of his disciples. So we got to see everything firsthand. Some of it I really wish we hadn't seen. This week had a really promising start. Jesus, the mighty one coming into Jerusalem. Sure, he was riding on a donkey rather than on a chariot. But people were shouting his praise. I remember being so excited because I knew this was the time for him to overthrow the government and set up his throne. I could see his power and leadership as he flipped over the tables in the temple, cleaning house a bit, getting rid of, rid of the idols. Though a little scary, this was really exciting as well. I, I heard he celebrated the Passover with his disciples. I was told that Jesus said that the Passover was to remember him now rather than the Exodus. This seemed a bit crazy. What is that about? I mean, we know he is great, but he can't just change thousands of years of Jewish history in a single meal. That was unexpected. We all took it as a bit of a shock, but none more than Judas. We ate with him. He was close to us. How could he have done that to Jesus? And then his own life? He was a friend. We had no time to grieve as Jesus was now in the hands of the enemy. We saw him kicked and beaten, but hope remained. We have seen him do miracles. At any moment, enough was going to be enough. Jesus would crush them. Even if he didn't set up his throne, if he could just get away, how could they be doing this to him? A death sentence was not expected. He was the future king, but now he is beaten and mocked carrying the cross. What horrible pain he went through on it. Hope was fading and we could not believe what we were seeing. He could still do a miracle. Was this all part of his plan? But when he died, our hopes died with him. We trusted him. We followed him. He was our future. Our friend and our future died at the same time. The grief was too much. For three days we wept. We recalled stories. We got angry. And we begged God for answers. How could this have happened? But on the third day something happened so unexpected. So beyond belief. Did Mary really see Jesus? Was the tomb really empty? Is this a trick or a fantasy of those who miss him? How do we even begin to sort out this last week? How do we even think about it? Shh. There's someone walking behind us. Lord, I ask tonight that you would help us to process through the things that happen in our own lives. That you would um, have us go on our journey and our road to Emmaus and encounter you. And that we would serve you with our lives and know you. Amen.
So the walk to Emmaus, it starts with these two travelers. They're processing through grief and doubt and confusion. The future they thought was in store for them was taken away and they were left without hope. All of their deeply held beliefs crashed into a wall of events that challenged what they thought was truth. But as they sorted through this wreckage of beliefs, they encountered an unexpected traveling companion. In the, in the course of seven miles or roughly two hours, everything changed. We see resurrected Jesus walking them through a crisis of belief. And is equally applicable to us. This wonderful story reveals for us three truths about Jesus that will help us when our life's events crash into the beliefs that we hold and we lose hope. So the three truths we're going to talk about tonight are number one, that he walks with us. Number two, that he talks with us. And number three, that he reveals himself. These three truths, they will revolve around who Jesus is. Because if we don't have a clear picture of who Jesus is before crisis, we certainly won't in the middle of crisis. In fact, the pain of crisis will define Jesus for you. So I've been a youth pastor for 15 years, and I hear some pretty common phrases. And one of the phrases I hear a lot and is growing is, if God was loving, he wouldn't allow this to happen. And when you hear that, you're sensitive to the person who's saying it. But if you really think about that sentence, what it is is the pain of life is actually defining God. This pain equals God isn't loving. But I think there's a better way to think about this. A better sentence that I don't hear as often. It's this. How will a loving God help me through this pain? Loving God equals help through pain. What you think about God will define how you handle pain and crisis. So based on this passage, we want to look at these three truths and see how God works us through and helps us in our own crisis. So the first one is he walks with us. The fact is that Jesus really did not have to go on that seven-mile walk with these two men. He didn't have to. He chose that journey. Because the journey is as important as the end result. The time spent walking together should not be glazed over. Let me put this I, this whole thing in context a bit. So when I got uh, engaged to Pippa, we had six months to plan a wedding. And honestly, it takes a lot of work. We were like zombies by the time the actual wedding happened. I think halfway through our our actual you know celebration dinner, Pippa, I looked at Pippa and she was already... You know, ready for bed. Oh, I'm so tired. And we had a great day, and it was really special. The wedding really was a special event for us. But it was a bit weird, because we had been living for six months for the wedding and the rest of the honeymoon. And that's what we were living for. That was our goal. Get to the wedding. Get to the honeymoon. That's where we're going. But when we got down, but when we got back, and we settled, and all the presents were put away, and it was just life, then it hit us. The wedding celebration is just the beginning. The day in, day out of life joined together is really the main event. That's what being married is about. It's not about the wedding and the celebration. It's about day in, day out life. 
And so it is with Easter that we just celebrated a week ago. The resurrection is really important, but it is not off a one-off celebration that we had last week. It is, in beco- it is important because it joins together our life with Jesus. That day in and day out, day out life joined together with Jesus is the main event. That's what it's really all about. Philippians 1 6, this is one of my favorite scriptures, it says it this way. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. So we can anchor ourselves in, on the consistent way Jesus journeys with us. He never leaves us. Rather, Jesus is with us through all of our lives. He is with us in our pain. And he's with us in our celebration. And over time, with Jesus, we change. When we hang out with Jesus, we change. The change comes slow, and sometimes the change comes hard. But change does come. When I was the 21, I did the discipleship year. And I remember the leader standing up in front of everybody. And he said, this is what the Christian life is like. It's like being a farmer. I thought, oh no. I, that's not me at all. I'm a city guy. And he said, it's like being on a tractor and you're plowing a field and you go up one end and back the other. And you go up and you go back. And it's time. It's plowing a field over and over. It's the day in, the day out. It's the consistency with God. And I thought, as a wise 21-year-old, I thought, not me. For me, it's going to be a lot faster. I'm going to grow in God. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to conquer the world. It's all going to happen for me. Well, I was wrong. Okay? It really, I was wrong. It is about the day in, day out walk with God. In fact, a life with God does not come with a microwave option. A life in Jesus is not a rush. It's a long road. It's the years of our life stretched down. And this is good good news because we do not have... Because when we do go through tough times, we can be secure in Jesus walking it through with us. We are lucky. Because he doesn't just walk with us. He doesn't just stay with us. He talks with us too. That's my second point. Jesus talks with us. Looking at this passage and this conversation, we need to be very clear. Jesus does not need a recap of Holy Week. He remembers what happens. He's not confused. He's not like, hey guys, remind me again what happened on the cross. No, he knows, okay? But he is like the epic mentor, you know? You ever been in a mentoring relationship where they're asking you just the right questions to get you talking? Questions they probably already know the answer to? And in verse 21, as he's asking these questions, we see their real heart coming through. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's the crux of this. We had that hope. Jesus was taking both the time to listen to them and have them connect with their own events. This may, this road, this whole thing may seem like a bit of a simple exchange, really. Jesus, you know, we've seen him in the, throughout all the Gospels. He's having conversations with people. But it has at its roots the cross and the resurrection. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from God 
from God's dwelling, it was ripped in two. And God, who was only accessible to the priests, was now open for everybody. That ripping of the curtain, that is the way that God sends an invitation to relationship. And that relationship is a world of people that can now directly go to God with boldness. And speak to Him, and He answers back. It's prayer. Prayer is the most magnificent gift. It's talking with God. This is why when he responds to verse 25 with, You foolish people, how are you so slow to believe? It's because they are worried about Jesus setting up a government. And he's like, setting up a government, I made you friends with God. How small is your view that you're worried about a government in one place, in one time? I made God available to everybody going forward. Bit of a bigger deal. You kind of missed the point a little bit. Unfortunately, this gift of communication that we have with God, though, it's undervalued and we overcomplicate it. We need to simplify prayer. We need to simplify conversation with God. So my daughter Zoe, she is um, almost five. And not very often, but every once in a while, I'll coax her into giving prayer a go. Come on, let's try pray. And so I've heard all t- types of really great prayers from my four and five-year-old. Um, sometimes she just prays for what she sees. She's like, God bless my bed sheets. My, I want to pray for my bed sheets. So I'm like, I think you're just praying for what you see. But okay. Sometimes she prays for her dollies. Uh, my dolly is sick. I'm going to pray to Jesus now. God, heal my dolly. And that's, you know, like, okay. One time she prayed that both the good zombies and the bad zombies would have a good day. She's four. I don't know. I don't think she really knows what zombies are about, but it was a bit disheartening still. And the thing is, though, in all those things she's praying for, I love it. I love her prayers. I love it when she prays for her bed sheets, and I love it when she prays for zombies. I really love it when she prays to Jesus about other things, but I just love to hear her having a go at it. Because I'm her dad, and I love hearing what's going on, because I care about her, because I'm connected with her. Richard Foster, this awesome author who wrote this book called Prayer, he says, Children do not find it difficult or complicated to talk to their parents, nor do they feel, nor do they feel embarrassed to bring the simplest need to their attention. Neither should we hesitate to bring the simplest requests confidently to God. So when life becomes hard, and events happen to make it really hard to believe that God is real, what do we do? We simplify our prayers. And we build doors. We build doors. That really makes no sense. Let me explain to you. This is how you build doors. You see, when, um, when you're in pain, I mean like real pain, that stress exposes yourself who you are on the inside. Pain shows who you are on the inside, and sometimes it comes out. And it makes us really vulnerable. Pain makes us vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, we want to retreat into ourselves. We want to build walls between God and ourselves. Sometimes we build walls between people. We've got to keep things out. We've got to protect ourselves. What prayer does is it creates doors to God. God can come through our pain walls when we keep prayer going. And simple prayer. Prayers like help. Prayers like, I need you. 
Prayers like, don't leave me. These are the doors that help us exist with God in the midst of pain. Through these doors, Jesus comes and he sits with us. And over time, he helps us take down our walls so that we can get better, not bitter. Knowing that Jesus walks with us and talks with us are the first two truths. But there is a very exciting third one. Jesus reveals himself. So what is revelation? The definition of revelation is this. An uncovering, a bringing to light of that which has been previously wholly hidden or only obscurely seen. It's basically God opening up your eyes to see him. That's what revelation is. God opening up your eyes so you can see him. So our two men on that road, they needed their eyes opening. They started their journey as hopeless travelers. Confused and in the dark about what had happened. But Jesus takes these hopeless hearts and he jumpstarts them by using the Bible. And this is the part that I really love about the story. If you really look at it, it's Jesus giving a Bible study on Jesus. That's, that's amazing. I want to be a part of that Bible study, right? I mean, that's epic. That's an epic Bible study. But the truth is, is that the results are just as epic. Because their hearts come alive. They go from hopelessness to hearts that are alive and are taken along again. They say that they were burning within them. Our hearts, when he was talking, our hearts were burning within us. Jesus could have revealed himself at the beginning of that journey. He could have. But he chose to use God's preferred method of, method of revelation, the scripture. Today, just like then, Jesus uses the Bible as the main path of revelation. The Bible is written in order to open our eyes to see who God is and how he operates. As the two men come to the end of their journey, they sit down at that meal with Jesus. He breaks bread and that veil off their eyes is lifted. And they see Jesus for who he really is, the resurrected Lord. The, the entire time there with Jesus, he was taking time to reveal himself to them. But this breaking of the bread is different. Just days earlier, he had broken bread at the Passover and said, remember this. This is my body broken for you. And again, here, he broke the bread. They say this, they saw, and they saw this traveling companion for who he really was. And all that learning, all that revelation, all that experience clicked. And their hope was restored. Jesus had stayed by their side. Jesus had talked with them. And he had revealed himself. In scripture, and now in that final moment, we, he lets them see him face to face. There will be a time when we come to the end of our journey as well. As the long road of life ends and our bodies are broken, we will then rely on the broken body of Jesus to welcome us into heaven, where he will no longer, where we will no longer live by faith, but we will encounter Jesus face to face. And he will bring healing and understanding to the journey of our life. Closing, I want to say this. There is an invitation tonight for those who have lost hope. Those who are in crisis of belief, there is an invitation to remember who Jesus really is. He walks with you. 
No matter where you're at tonight, Jesus has never left you. He's walked beside you. He talks with you. Jesus can handle your prayers no matter what you are feeling. I can guarantee you, he loves talking with you. Your voice is beautiful to Jesus. And he reveals himself. The Bible is the light that shows you the way to Jesus in tough times. No matter where you are in your journey, know that God loves you. He really, 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 really loves you. If you want to see your heart burn with love for Jesus, take time to sit with him, talk with him, and read about him. I want to end with the prayer that is in your um, leaflet in the middle there. I encourage you to take this home and pray it this week. Take some time and just pray. Lord Jesus Christ, stay with us too, we pray. In every part of our journey, no matter how full of doubt or fear we may be today, through your Holy Spirit, we pray that you will open our eyes too. Help us to see you as the risen Lord in all your beauty, in all your loving power. Amen.